So, um, tonight, briefly, before we go into Christmas Day tomorrow, before, I don't know if you guys have Christmas Eve traditions tonight, um, it's super exciting that, that you guys are willing to come out and just spend some time in the Word with us, so let's do this, and then we'll, we'll get you on your way to invest in your families this Christmas season. Find Luke chapter 1, and I just want to point out a few things about a passage here, and uh, hopefully encourage us to see the story of Advent through a different light, through a different lens. So many of these things we're familiar with, but it's important for us to revisit them um, often and to remember what Christ did for us. So um, what we're about to read follows the appearance of Gabriel the angel at the beginning of Luke's gospel to a man named Zachariah, who was a priest. And so Gabriel had appeared to Zachariah and told him that even though he was super old and even though his wife was super old and that they're well beyond the childbearing years, that they were going to have a son. They're going to have a baby. And so maybe that's in the future for some of you guys. You're like, oh, no, sir. Well, maybe God will supersede that. Maybe it's time for you to have another. Babe, let's have another. She's not listening. So anyway, um, so we're about, what we're about to read follows the appearance of, of Gabriel um, to Zechariah. And he's going to become, the reason why this is an important story is, one for one thing, Elizabeth is a relative of Mary, who we're going to be reading about tonight. But also, the son that she's going to have is John the Baptist. And so this child is going to have a very important uh, forefront, like forerunner ministry ahead of Jesus. John's going to pave the road for him and basically um, clear the path so that the ministry of Christ can go forward and go forward quickly. That's not for tonight's study, but John the Baptist has a very powerful, although brief, a very powerful ministry. And so... The very unexpected pregnancy of Elizabeth has happened, and she's in her sixth month, which is what we'll read at the first verse that we're going to look at tonight, beginning in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. It's going to say in the beginning, in the sixth month, it's talking about Elizabeth's sixth month of pregnancy. And so it's still referring to prior context, and, and I just want to build that in there for us so we know what we're talking about. So let's get into the text itself. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38 reads this way. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary asked the angel, How can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. See, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. And while Zachariah's interaction and unbelief at the message of Gabriel, if you've read the text prior to this, you know it leads to him being mute um, for the entire pregnancy up until John the Baptist is born. And so leading up to that, we know that, that Zachariah was kind of walking out this punishment for being in a place of doubt of the message that Gabriel gave to him. 
And so here the message of Gabriel is received by, with fear by Mary. And even though the text indicates that she's a bit confused as to how this could come to pass, there's a submission to the work of God within her. There's a submission to it and a belief in what was being revealed to her by this angel. And I mean, honestly, what could she have doubted? What could she have had struggle with comprehending what this angel was saying to her? This is all so normal, right? It's a very odd interaction. And we know it because we're familiar with it. Most of us have been in church. You're like, it's Christmas Eve service. We know we're going to hear. We're going to hear about Jesus and the manger and the wise men. And the, you know, we, we know the things that we talk about, right? And what's interesting is that we don't often put ourselves, as Luke presents here, in the shoes, or if you will, sandals of Mary, right? We don't often think about being in her shoes, and sorry, I couldn't resist. I, we don't often think about that. We don't often think about she's hearing all of this for the first time. And when Gabriel's bringing this message to her, this would be confusing. It would be baffling. It would be overwhelming, especially for a good Hebrew girl to receive this information he just gave her. Think about some of those descriptives. We'll get into them in a minute. But just as you try and wrap your mind around it, Mary was engaged to Joseph, but they had never slept together. And here in a galaxy not so far, far away... That kind of stuff doesn't happen, right? If you're Star Wars fans, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But like th this, this isn't normal. This doesn't happen. In fact, it hasn't happened up until now. The weight of the greeting by Gabriel is understandably troubling. This would bother you. I mean, gals, would this bother you? This angel shows up and says, you're about to get preggers and you, <laughs> you're not going to be around Joseph for it, right? You're not going to need him. You're like, well, sign me up. I'll unengage myself if I can. No, just kidding. So you guys... Most of us are settled and I think unfearful of the existence of God. I think that most of us are settled with the, the fact that God exists and that we're not uncomfortable with that notion that God exists, especially Christians. But I think the thing that can easily unsettle us is maybe what unsettled Mary, and that is what is or what does God want or expect of me? What does God expect of me? Have you ever thought about that in separate contexts? Like, okay, God existing? Yeah, good. I'm, I'm great with that. But what about God's expectations of you? Those are usually the parts of his word that we struggle with. God expects me to what? God wants me to go where? I don't know about you guys, but when God calls you out to do something unique, there's a lot of struggle with that. And I'm not even saying that that's like lack of faith in God on Zachariah's scale, which we'll talk about in a moment. Maybe you're just looking at what God's asked you to do and you're kind of bewildered by it. I don't see how I can get from here to there. I don't see how I can get from not pregnant to pregnant without Joseph being involved, right? These are very basic, simple things to understand. And, and yet God is saying something supernatural is going to happen. I think it makes sense to be troubled as a human being as to what God expects of us. However, however, when we understand the character of God, when we understand his nature and what he is able to do and his intentions who God is, how he works within us to achieve his purpose, our fears are to be relieved and peace is to be something that we experience. When we accept God for who he is and put our trust in him, you guys, you realize that this isn't just a salvatory act. I'm not just talking about salvation. We daily come and say, Lord, I need your help. We daily and moment by moment come to him and say, I need to trust in you more, build my faith in you. We often feel like the dad in Mark chapter nine who looked at his son writhing on the ground with demon possession and says, I don't know what to do. And Jesus says, anything is possible for the one who believes. And he goes, I believe, but help my unbelief. Have you not felt like that before? I believe, I mean, I believe in you, but help me because I'm really struggling with having enough trust. 
because I only trust you this far and you're asking me to go that far and that looks like a ledge. How much do we actually trust God? You realize that God's not angry with us when we struggle and we ask questions. When we're baffled by what he's doing, he's not angry with you. He wants you to come to him in your bewilderment. That's what Mary does. Mary is troubled And look at what Gabriel does after speaking kindly to her. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. He says, don't be afraid. God favors you. He loves you. We talked about this this last Sunday with Daniel. When when Gabriel, same Gabriel, looks at Daniel and says, you know, you're, you're treasured by God. He's like, just want you to know that. He tells him twice more in chapter 10. We haven't gotten there on Sundays, but we're about to. He says, you're treasured by God. Gabriel says, don't be afraid. You found favor. God loves you. You found favor with him. You can rest in that. Now listen. <laughs> now he explains what the favor of God's going to accomplish quite literally within, within her, inside of her. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Now think about the extent that some women go to to protect their child. You know, I mean, some of them go to the extreme measures of not drinking coffee. I mean, my gosh, this is serious. You know, but some ladies like go through these great extents. You know, they've got these special harnesses for when you're driving the car and you got to put things in the right position and, you know, you can't eat these foods or these different kinds of things. They'll come out with their eyes crossed. You know, it's like, you don't. you have to do all of these things to make sure that the baby's okay. How much pressure would you feel if you knew that what was inside of you was going to accomplish all of these things? This child inside of you was going to be the king of kings. He's going to be great. He's going to be called the son of the most high. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. This isn't like, he'll be good at math. (laughs) Totally different. You know, some parents like to tell you about how smart their kid is. I'm like, I'm just glad that mine know where to go to the bathroom. I'm not that interested in your kid having an IQ of 4,000 or something. You're like, yeah, and they're only five years old. I'm like, last time I saw him, he was picking boogers and eating them. So, like, I'm not really that impressed. But you understand, like, this is the son of God. No pressure, Mary. Right? She was probably moving around for nine months like this. You know, like, I can't do anything. God's in here. If I mess this up. We can't even go there. Now, ladies, you got to help me out because I'm, I'm sure that you're all aware I cannot bear children. I've had to come to grips with this. But for you who can, I can't imagine what it would be like to hear not only what the child inside of me, and I'm speaking hypothetically clearly, that's why the first statement was made. I can't imagine the child inside of me. <laughs> it's not really in here to be funny, but it's becoming really funny, isn't it? I... I can't imagine the child being inside of me not only being able to accomplish what the angel says he will accomplish, but that it's not going to happen the way it's been happening since Genesis 4.1. This is not going to come about by normal circumstances, and that's what Mary's looking at. She's like, um, Gabriel, I don't know how much time you've been spending down here on earth, but that's not exactly how the babies are made, right? She's like, how is this going to work? And not doubting, but really wanting to know how this is going to work. This isn't going to be conventional. You guys, what she's hearing about the child, his greatness, son of the most high, is this ringing any bells from the Old Testament? Don't you wonder if she actually remembered? 
Remember what it said in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7? For a child will be born for us, a child or a son will be given to us. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. You have both the front side of a prophecy that says the sun will come and you also have the picture of what it's going to look like at the end. Having studied through Daniel recently as a church, that makes a lot of sense how these prophecies come together. Even though it's been partially fulfilled, we see the full completion of this when Jesus returns. Mary, however, is confused as to how the physical side is going to be. And it's important that we see the prophecy being fulfilled in this and also her practical concerns. You recognize that God cares about your practical concerns. That we can look at the Bible and say, I understand what it says, but how do I get from here to there? Do you guys ever feel that way when you look at Scripture? You're like, I know what God's telling me to do, but how do I get from here to walking it out in my life? And so she says in verse 34, how can this be? Now, before we get too into how this is going to happen, how this child will come to be inside of her, it's important to note that when Zechariah questioned Gabriel, we could compare him to Abraham. We compare him to Abraham because both of them were going to have children in their old age. And I mean very old age to the point where people are like, they're childless and that's just how it is, right? It's just not going to happen. You know, Abraham was knocking on 100, Sarah's 90. You, you know, let's all check in with each other and see how much we're feeling up to, you know, having kids at that age. And so it really wasn't that possible. And remember, Sarah laughed when the angel told Abraham, like, when I come back this time next year, she's going to be nursing a baby. And she's like, ha! God's like, why did Sarah laugh? By the way, that's never a good sign. <laughs> like, <laughs> You're not kidding. Oh, I mean, thank you, I think. You know, what's interesting, you guys, is that Abraham's lack of faith in what God had said led to Ishmael. Zachariah's lack of faith in what God said led him to being mute for nine months. But Mary's questioning of God led to what? An explanation. There's a difference of heart there. We need to find that. We need to find that bit of our heart that looks at God and says, help me process this. Not, no way. Don't doubt him, but it's okay to ask the question. It's okay to inquire. The angel replies to her, the Holy Spirit, this is verse 35, will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth, for example. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who is called childless. You know, it's interesting as we take it for granted as well that Gabriel already appeared to Zechariah and told him he'd have a son. Gabriel here tells Mary what's inside of Elizabeth. You got a boy in there. Remember, they didn't have the sonar. You know, they, they weren't over there doing ultrasounds, finding out what the baby was, having these gender reveals on, you know, Instagram or Hebrewgram or whatever it was. Right? So they're not out there like doing all these, you know, it's a boy, woo! So it's interesting. He's being consistent. That's just fascinating to me. He's like, oh, yeah, it's a boy. She could go to Elizabeth and go, it's a boy. How'd you know? Gabriel told me too. I mean, <laughs> crazy, right? So what we're talking about with Mary, though, is very different from John the Baptist in the sense that this is incarnation. This isn't just you're having a child in your old age the normal way. He's saying this child will be born of the Holy Spirit. 
This is incarnation. The answer to Mary's question is that God is going to enter into human flesh. Now, if they remembered their scriptures, they would know that this was what was going to happen from Isaiah way back 700 years prior. Because in Isaiah 7.14, he said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive and have a son and name him Emmanuel, which we should probably remember is God with us. God with us. He says, this is going to be what's happening in you. Gabriel uses Elizabeth as an example. If she can have a child at an age when that's all done with, God can do what he has promised to do since the garden in Genesis 3, and that is save his people from their sin. And that's what Jesus is coming to do. Over 500 years prior to this, Gabriel had told the prophet Daniel the day that Jesus would ride into Jerusalem as king. He told him the day in Daniel chapter 9. And here he tells Mary that the moment has come for God to enter human flesh. It's powerful stuff when you think about how clear God was about his son coming. And yet we doubt him about where we're going. Yet we have confusion and we struggle in seasons like this. I know COVID has kicked us all in the head. It's been difficult. It's challenged us in ways that we didn't think we would have to face ever. And that's just the beginning. I mean, COVID on election year, go figure. But you guys, this has been hard. And, and I think that we can lose sight very easily by looking at all the, the flashing screens around us or the noise that penetrates our ears. We can forget that where we're going is to a kingdom of God. Where we are translating to next is Jesus. It's, it's the Lord's prayer. And we've talked about this a lot lately in our church. You know, the Lord's prayer is thy kingdom come. We as people, as followers of Jesus are to be praying his kingdom here. We want Jesus to rule here. That's the second advent. And that's the one that we are looking forward to now. And that's what inspires hope is that God fulfilled everything he said he would do as the child came and was born in a manger. And he will fulfill everything he has said is going to come thereafter. We can hold these things fast because God has never failed. And here in Luke chapter 1, the moment has come. And the prediction is given that God's going to enter human flesh. Just as a side thought to consider, as God enters human flesh, I want us to always remember something. He did not set aside any of his deity. He set aside all of his dignity to become a human being. He was fully God in human flesh, but he let go of all the dignity of the kingship. All the dignity of not being in this stinking human flesh. He took it on and bore it and stood with us so that he could save us. That's the love of God made apparent and clear to you and I. And I hope we grab hold of that and remember it often. Because Jesus didn't just come as the child in the manger he came to live one of the most difficult lives ever lived. Here he tells Mary that the moment Gabriel tells her has come for Jesus and it'll begin humbly within her as God. And that's so incomprehensible. God is going to be inside of a womb. And then God is going to be laid in a manger because there's no room for him to stay in the inn. How would you expect the king of the universe to enter this world? How would you enter this world if you were the king of the universe? Probably a little more fanfare. Probably a little bit cleaner conditions. I'm sorry, I can't stay here. I need a new room. Just get somebody out. I'm the king. 
right? That's how we think. All this to prove something. He did this to prove something, that he was going to come in such a powerful supernatural way, and it proves to us the following in verse 37, and this is the important thing that we need to grasp. For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing is impossible for him. The advent of the Messiah is God's reminder to us this evening that nothing is impossible with the Lord. Jesus echoed it later on. They're like, how hard is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven? Jesus is like for an animal to go, a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And they're like, that's impossible, he says, with men, yeah. But with God, all things are possible. It's a powerful statement. When we come to the manger to worship as the shepherds did on the night that he was born, we ought to be awestruck by the ability of God to do the impossible, to bring about the impossible in our lives. And it's here at the manger that our faith in God's sovereignty, power, love, grace, and mercy is all observed in the eyes of a child. Because all the goodness of God was in that child. All of the holiness of God dwelt in that body. And it was that humble and that frail and that dependent. Guys, that teaches us something about God. Is he supernaturally, sovereignly powerful, like in ways that we can't even understand? Yeah. How did he reveal it to us? A baby. Frederick Buchner described the incarnation as a kind of vast joke whereby the creator of the ends of the earth comes among us in diapers. Sobering. He concludes, until we too have taken the idea of the God-man seriously enough to be scandalized or shocked by it, we have not taken it as seriously as it demands to be taken. If we can completely wrap our heads around, our hearts around the incarnation, that God became a child, it will shock us back to where we need to be. Maybe we've become complacent. Maybe we just take all this for granted. Maybe we came here tonight. Maybe I came here tonight. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to celebrate Advent. It's Christmas Eve. This is what we do. This is not just what we do. This is the opportunity to recognize what God has done and to look forward to what he will do. Take Jesus seriously this Christmas. His incarnation wasn't a light matter. It was the means by which we have been set free from sin. And it begins here where the impossible of human ability watched in awe as God stated to the entirety of his creation, nothing is impossible for me. That's what we come to remember tonight. That's what our goal is. And I want to encourage you guys, take that and talk about it as a family. Talk about it with your relatives tomorrow. If you're going to be going around, I'm not going to tell anyone. If you're going to see some family tomorrow, great. That's great. That's right, Facebook. Take it off. I dare you. Like, if you're going to go see family tomorrow and you're going to enjoy being in fellowship with people, take that message to them. Encourage them. Encourage them. This is so much more. Giving gifts is good. Receiving gifts is good. Eating a lot of ham is good. <laughs> but you guys, it's so much more than that. We celebrate that God is in the manger. We celebrate that he came and he came for us because he loves us. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads and, and we're going to pray. We're going to sing a song here that that may not be really well known and i encourage you to read the lyrics if you want to sing along you can but um this song is has been really impactful for us this advent and we just wanted to share it with you guys and then we'll close um with candlelight as we sing silent night but let's bow our heads together and let's pray